0: Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading First Thessalonians. We're ready to read chapter 3. Now here Paul is going to be talking about Timothy's visit and the circumstances of that. Now I had thought that this letter was written when Paul was arrested in Rome, but as you're going to see here, that's not the case. So if I said that, just know that I was mistaken. I did not mean to be, <laughs> but I was mistaken. So um, I'm really sorry if I said that this was written when Paul was ar- under arrest in Rome. You know, several letters, several of these letters have been. And I, if I said that, I was wrong. That's all. I just want to make sure. I'm not even 100% sure I said that, but if I did, I was totally wrong. Okay, so I'm sorry about that. Nonetheless, Paul is going to talk to us here in uh, chapter 3 about Timothy's visit. This is a short chapter, so don't be too surprised. I am reading from the Amplified Bible. If I ever forget to mention that, just remember that most likely I am reading from the Amplified Bible. And I apologize if I forget to mention that. So here we are, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Therefore, when we could no longer endure our separation from you, we thought it best to be left behind alone at Athens, and so we sent Timothy, our brother and God's servant in spreading the good news of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you, exhorting, comforting, and establishing you in regard to your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these difficulties to which I have referred. They were going through their own persecution and difficulties there in Thessalonica. So, and this was at a time when Paul was in Athens. Now, we know he was in Athens during uh, part of Acts, so maybe it's during that same time frame that he wrote this letter. For you know that we have been destined for this as something unavoidable in our position. For even when we were with you, we warned you plainly in advance that we were going to experience persecution. And so, as you know, it has come to pass. For this reason, when I could no longer endure the suspense, I I sent someone to find out about your faith, how you were holding up under pressure, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our work among you would prove to be ineffective. So, in other words, you know, he waited, he waited, as long as he could, and since he couldn't go to see them himself, he decided that he he would send someone he He says, "When I could no longer endure the suspense, you know it's like, okay, I've got to know how these people are doing and and the reason is he's concerned for them spiritually, he wants them to thrive and do well, and but he knows that they're going through a rough time. you know he mentions that he you know they remember how he was treated in Philippi. You know, he was thrown in prison and all, so. Okay, so continuing on, verse 6, but now that Timothy has come back to us from his visit with you and has brought us good news of your steadfast faith and the warmth of your love and reported that you always think kindly of us and treasure your memories of us longing to see us just as we long to see you For this reason, brothers and sisters, during all our distress and suffering, we have been comforted and greatly encouraged about you because of your faith, your unwavering trust in God, placing yourselves completely in his loving hands. Because now we really live in spite of everything if you stand firm in the Lord. Now, that was a lot of reading, but at the very end, is something that I think is very important that we notice. Because now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. That's when we really live. When we have the Lord, when we believe in the Lord, and we, we're uh, baptized into the, the body of Christ, and we, we really start to live. We really start to live when we start living for the lord that's when our life truly becomes important and becomes something worthwhile it doesn't mean that all of your the rest of your life was totally worthless but let's face it living for god and living with god and following god is just so important and so much more than living without god that 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 living without god is basically a waste it's basically Basically worthless because there's nothing that you do when you're living without God that's really important compared to when you're living for God. So, so I'm just saying, you know, I, I see that I see that comparison and I understand. But I thought that was very interesting that you know he he talks all the way through that and then at the very end because this is one of those long sentences that sometimes gets to me. He says, now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. So, and that's in spite, it does does mention here in spite of everything, and that's in in spite of any persecution or problems or issues, you know. All right, so we're going to continue on verse 9. For what adequate thanks can we offer to God for you in return for all the joy and delight we have before our God on your account? We continue to pray night and day most earnestly that we may see you face to face and may complete whatever may be imperfect and lacking in your faith. In other words, he would like to return and teach them more and, you know, help them more. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord God, our, okay, pardon me, let me start that again. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord Guide our steps to you by removing the obstacles that stand in our way. And may the Lord cause you to increase and excel and overflow in love for one another and for all people just as we also do for you, so that he may strengthen and establish your hearts without blame and holiness in the sight of our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints, God's people. Now that's the end of the chapter, but I want to bring your attention to something. I think, I still worry that I think we miss this as Christians sometimes. He says, he prays for them, and he says, may the Lord cause you to increase and excel and overflow in love for one another. But he doesn't just stop there. And for all people. Just as we do for you. But notice that, and for all people. So yes, we should love and care about our Christians, our brothers, our sisters. But we should also love and care about all people. How are they ever going to know God's love? How are we ever going to show them anything about God if we don't care about them, if we don't love them, and show them that that we do care? I don't know about you, but if I was in dire straits or having a rough time and let's say I did not believe and did not know God and someone came to me and they just wanted to tell me to know God, but they had no concern for my situation and all the issues I had and whatever trouble I was going through, I would not be very open to listening to them. It's just—it's really just a human thing. Um, but, if they showed some love and concern, then maybe I would be open to listen to them to what drives them, what drives them to be a good person to want to help me. You know that's that's what I would be interested in now. I know that there's you know a certain low percentage of returns anytime we're interacting with with people in the world like that, but that's what we're supposed to do, and we're supposed to care for all people. Just like God cares for all people. He wants all people saved. So he does care for all people regardless of what sometimes we might lose sight of that. It's a concern of mine for some reason. I don't know why, but sometimes I'm concerned that we lose sight of the fact that we should not just care about Christians. We should love and care about all of our fellow humans, all our people. You know? Um... I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just, um, I don't know. I just, but it's in God's Word, so I have to, I have to follow it and I have to think about that and I have to point that out. That, yes, we should care and we should be taking care of the people in our congregations, absolutely. If we're not watching out for the people in our congregations, then we're not very good Christians. And then beyond that, we should be trying to help others in our communities. You know, if, uh, if the churches were living up to their responsibilities in God, I'm, I'm going to say this, we wouldn't need all these other charities, we wouldn't need all this government assistance if the churches were really doing their jobs. Now, I know, I know it sounds crazy or harsh or whatever, but it's, it's just a fact. It's just the way it is. If we followed what we should be doing, there wouldn't be... Because there's churches everywhere. We have churches everywhere. All, they're not all the same denomination, no. Or they're not all the same non-denomination, but there's still churches everywhere. And if if we were really following the Lord correctly and we were really doing what we should be doing, um, there just wouldn't be a need for um, all these other things. Because it would just be automatically be handled by God's people and it would automatically be handled correctly. Okay, that's just my thought. It's just my belief. It's really not just my thought and belief, but it is it is my thought and belief based on God's Word and the fact that we are continually reminded to do good to all people and to love and care for all people, not just Christians. But definitely Christians. Now, Don't get me wrong. Definitely, if we're not taking care of our own, just like if you're not taking care of your family, then there's, there's a problem. But uh, anyway, I just have... I just have a concern for everyone, I guess, and hopefully that is the right way to be. <laughs> I think it is, according to what I read, okay? All right, anyway, um, thank you for listening. That is the end of chapter 3 of First Thessalonians. I hope you have a wonderful day. God bless you and keep you. And remember, God loves you.